it's something that I can control. How did childhood feel? Yeah, like, I had no control. Absolutely. Please note that this episode contains some emotional content, including discussion around loss of parents and a sibling, which may not be suitable for all listeners. This is How Did We Get Here with me, Claudia Winkleman, and clinical psychologist, Professor Tanya Byron. We address some of the difficulties people come up against in their lives and with those close to them. In each episode, Tanya talks to our guests in a one-to-one session, and I ask questions in the beginning, middle, and end. Today, we meet Lottie. She's a single mother with boys aged 7 and 11. Lottie experienced a huge amount of sadness growing up. She lost both parents when she was young, her father died when she was five, her mother when she was 10, and her brother was tragically murdered when she was 22. She finds it hard to control her feelings of anxiousness towards her ex-husband. Like when, when their dad drops them off or picks them up, like there's always anxiety around that time. So he's a trigger. Really struggle with. He's oh, a massive trigger. Yeah, even if he texts me. Let's go and meet Lottie. Lottie, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're incredibly grateful. Tell me, why why are you here? I think it's just to try and find a bit of peace. So do you want to start at the beginning, if you like? Tell me about when you were little. When I was five, my dad passed away. He had a heart attack. And then when I was 10, my mum passed away. I ended up going to live with my sister, who had um, a couple of children, and I had a brother. How old was your sister? She was 20 years older than me. So she was from a previous marriage on my mum's side. And you mentioned a brother. How old was he? Uh, He was two years older. Did both of you go and live with your sister? Yes. And how was that? Hard. You just feel, like, lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're, you're floating, I guess, and it's like you can't ground yourself. It sounds so hard. So your sister, in essence, became like a mother figure? Yeah, she tried, yeah. I can't say it was a, a bad environment, but it, it wasn't very, like, loving or anything like that, and... We never spoke about my parents, which I, now I'm older, I look back and I think it's really, really sad. Yeah, that, that is sad. We never celebrated, um, like, birthdays or just never got spoken about. It's like this big secret. And were you and your brother close? Could you rely on, I know you were only no. 10 and 12. No. Goodness. So then what happened? I think by the time I was 16, I decided to move out. So I moved in with a friend and was quite happy. Um, I wasn't really seeing my brother. He'd got in trouble with the police and he was taking drugs. And so we wasn't really in contact. And in these days, you never had mobile phones, you never had social media. People wasn't accessible unless you consciously rang their house phone or knew where they lived. At that time, you you can lose people, right? Yeah, so... My brother took a path that he kind of seeked trouble, I guess. And then he uh, was murdered. I think I must have been about 22. So it's difficult to talk about in a way because I don't want to sound cold. But we wasn't close and I think 
if there was ever any contact about him, it was always that, you know, someone had seen him, you know, and he was off of his face on drugs or he'd stolen from somebody or he'd... It was always negative. Yeah. Like, surrounding him. But I'm just thinking of you and this litany of pain. Mm. Because even if you weren't close, he was a product of your mum and dad when you were little, when you were three and five. You know, all of... I mean, it's still... It's too much for a, a young woman to go through. I, I, I just, just think when, when you, you get older, you look back and you just think, it, this could have been different. And I think that's what's sad, because I think I'd, I'd love to have a brother. You can't put it right now anyway, because that was taken from him. I know you weren't living with her, but did you keep a relationship going with your sister? There is a relationship, but it's not a good one. She's been quite difficult to be around. She's an alcoholic, so, yeah, I think for my own good, it just was easier to not be too involved. And how did you get yourself together? Then what happened? Because I believe you then married, didn't you? And you've got yeah. two lovely children. I've just got one of those natures, I think, where I just get on with things. Not that it doesn't hurt, not that I don't break down and I don't cry, but I just always keep moving. It's not in me to kind of stop and break down. Yeah, like I said, I had really good friendships, which helped. I've had some really good people around me. I met my husband, ex-husband now, in my early 20s. Yeah, and we got married and had children and, yeah. And happiness. Definitely happiness. Tell me about your ex-husband. Yeah, I mean, I thought that we had a good marriage and really good friends as well, like I felt. We was together for about 15 years. He started saying he was depressed because of work. He, he was saying it wasn't me and I believed him and I could just see that things weren't going the right way, but naively... I just never, ever thought he'd hurt me. I just always thought yeah. it, it would put itself right. And the children were young at this point as well. And you're trying to be a parent and it's not always about this other person. And then slowly, slowly it become he wasn't happy and he didn't know what he wanted. He didn't know if he wanted to be in the relationship anymore. That must have like, been a terrible shock. I didn't understand why. As the time went on, I just then found out that there was somebody else and... That was obviously a big part in him going yeah. and leaving. But horrible to be deceived. Horrible. Yeah, I think that's my biggest issue. He knew what I'd been through in my life and he didn't have to do that to me. And that's why I think I'll never forgive him. No. How do you get on now and what's it like co-parenting? Obviously you're the main parent, but he sees the... The kids, yeah, he still he? sees the children. Um, he's still involved and they love him. Yeah, like I'm quite an easygoing person. I'd rather just put, you know, how I really feel to one side and just get on with him for the sake of the kids. The woman he had a relationship with, is he with her now? Yeah. So that's hard too? Yeah. What would you like from Tarn today? You, you're kind of grieving the fact that you're now a single parent trying to raise a family, watching the person that walked away from you, do it again with someone else. But I do think the root of my issues are down to my childhood. I think if, if my childhood was different, I probably would cope better. Through everything you've been through, you are obviously smashing this. You're a brilliant mum. You try and stay in touch with your sister. You find good friendship groups. They look after you. 
You're knocking it out the park. Let me just say that as an observer. You are. And I want you to feel really good about yourself. And Tan will come in now. But thank you so much for coming. Thank you, thank you. Everybody who's listening will notice, and I definitely notice, that you are a woman who's incredibly resilient. Yeah. Right. Let's start with that. Tell me about your resilience. What do you respect about yourself? What do you like about yourself? Like, I don't like conflict. I don't like anger. I try and be fair and see the good in people and look at all sides of stories and things like that. So you try and be non-judgmental. You try and be open-minded. You try and be inclusive in your thinking. Yeah. And I suspect you're the kind of friend that if there was a crisis in the middle of the night, you'd be a great person to call. I suspect you're good in a crisis. I suspect you're a real roll your sleeves up. I've got this, you know, kind of woman. That's my sense of you, that you're dependable. You Other people can depend on you. Yeah. I think the problem for you is, though, I think you just don't know who you've ever been able to depend on. Yeah, I think that's true. And you met a man and you fell in love and you had your two beautiful boys and he has significantly let you down. Yeah. And that's making you tearful. Yeah, it really hurts. I think it will always hurt. So it's something about who anchors you? Myself. Yeah. And it potentially can feel quite lonely, can't it? Yeah, very lonely, very... Like I was thinking about it the other day, it's just a bit lost, really. Yes, I know I'm not, you know, I've got a a nice home, children, job, friends, but I feel lost. And I wonder whether it's particularly triggered by your ex. Yeah, I think that's probably true, yeah. And when those feelings bubble up, how do they impact on you? Like, anger isn't my go-to, it's more sadness. I, I definitely get anxious. How does it manifest itself? not feeling comfortable and not feeling right, but not quite knowing why. And I I can now, as I'm getting older, realise that it's anxiety. Yes. I've noticed as we've been talking, you're very still, but I, I, I have this sense that you're a bit like a swan. You know, what we see on the surface is this gliding, beautiful gliding across the pond. But underneath, I feel like there's a lot of activity going on, isn't there? Yeah. I can hear it and I can mm. see it. What did you say? You said, I'm sorry, again, rustly papers. I just get on with things, you said to Claude. I just keep moving. But the price we pay for keeping going is that we do that by repressing what we're really feeling. So it sits inside and then it manifests as anxiety, pain, sadness. Your boys, they're both on each side of... Uh, the age you were when you lost your mum. Had you made that connection? I know someone had said to me before that history has a pattern of like repeating itself. I know my son was about five when my marriage started to break down and I was, that kind of was conscious in my head. Um, you were five when your father died of a heart attack. Yeah. When does the anxiety show itself? Because you're clearly amazing at holding it in, but I'm sure because you're normal, <laughs> you're a human being, there are moments when... You can't. Like when when their dad drops them off or picks them up, like there's always anxiety around that time. So he's a trigger. Which I really struggle with. Oh, massive trigger. Yeah. Even if he texts me. Uh, Oh, right. So you just see it pinging, you see his name and bang, you can feel that change in your 
physical, physiological state. So sometimes in these situations, and it's not just women to be fair, but people can then try and overly control their environment, you know? Yeah. Do you ever kind of find yourself doing that where things have to be very tidy or things have to be in a certain place? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm awful for it, yeah. Talk me through that. Really bad. I just, everything has to be so. I can't cope if it's not. So if I came into your house now, would it look like flipping show house, like clean, tidy, everything in its place? If I knew you was coming, 100%, yeah. Everything has to be planned and routine and... I mean, it works. I mean, me and the kids get up, we get out, we get out the door, everyone's dressed, ready. But it just works better for me. You know, I relate to that, but I'm just thinking... How routine is it? I mean, is there an order, a specific order? Do you, some people might have things they have to say in their head while they're doing certain things, or some people get very fixated on numbers and certain numbers have meaning and certain things have to be done that particular number of times or... No, I don't think I've got it like that. It's just more of a case of everything has to be so. And if it's not so, or if plans suddenly change or if spontaneously there's a hey no we're not doing that let's do this how does that impact on you I just don't cope very well I just like shut down a bit really it's just like I can't cope so you've heard of a condition called obsessive compulsive disorder where for some people this becomes it becomes all-encompassing given that you don't have OCD i.e. it wouldn't be a diagnosis because you're not hitting that sort of extreme level of rituals and routines and and, and the things I described before. But you definitely have that need for things, as you say, to be just so. What does that mean? Because the meaning is really important. It's something that I can control. How did childhood feel? Yeah, like, I had no control. Absolutely. By the age of 10, you were a veteran of life's cruel unpredictability. You were 10 years old. The part of your brain, the the cortex at the front of the brain, hadn't even developed, wasn't anywhere near developed enough for you to really be able to process it. So for you, control is absolutely fundamental because you know how life can rip control away in the most painful way. And that's what your ex-husband did. Yeah. So I think the reason he is your main trigger is because he absolutely smashed through your way of coping with the legacy from your childhood and there was nothing you could do about it. No. And I think that then opened the wounds because you've been managing them superficially by controlling in a way that's really good but you've really worked to get that. It's been your plan. It's been the way you've controlled how you felt. And just as you were in that place where you thought, you know what, I can give my children what I never had, stuff that will feel like it's repairing your loss, that was taken away from you. And now you feel lost. Just not where I wanted to be. Sorry, can I just stop you there and ask a question? She told you about her need for control, whether it's looking after the boys and being an excellent friend to everybody and just keeping everything, like you say, like a swan gliding along. And then 
because you saw something in her and you haven't done that in front of me before when you said, can you tell me why that is? And she broke down. She sort of, you could see her whole face. She went, because there was no control when I was Mm. growing up. And that felt like, I didn't know what it felt like for you to be there and in the moment. But just as a person who was listening, something really slotted in. I think the reason I asked her to do that is because here's a woman who copes with loss, unpredictability, uncertainty, tragedy, all those awful kind of aspects of life that she's had in bucket loads from a tiny, tiny age. She deals with that by being super focused, super organized, super planned and super in control. I don't really just want to only inhabit an expert position with her. I don't want to be the person saying, so it's this, and can you see it's that, and I think it's this. I think that for somebody with her personality, her way of dealing with life, could feel quite infantilizing, could make her feel like a child. So in that moment, I spoke to the part of her that gets it, and she became her own expert. It gave her some control back, because I knew she knew it, because I could see in her face as I started to Mm -hmm. sort of unwrap that narrative that she was kind of nodding. Do you remember, Claude? She was nodding away. It's more powerful uh, as an intervention in that moment for her to speak it from herself than for me to tell her what I think it is. And then what was even more extraordinary, because at this point, I'd totally forgotten about the ex-husband, the man who had made her feel safe, that they were best friends, and then he went off and left and didn't really say why and this and that. And then you brought it round to that. So you said you are a woman who has to be in control because otherwise it all unravels. And then this happens and it's put you right back there. Your trigger is your ex-husband. And her realisation, I hope people are listening, because definitely for me, listening muted next door or on Zoom, so miles away, I was like, oh, how extraordinary. That the ex-husband is the trigger for all of this. Yes, Uncertainty for you is terrifying. Because what could happen? Yeah. And then your brother's murdered. And that's a hard one for you because you were not close or in contact with him. Nothing ever good was said about him. And because of the way I am as a person, like, I find that quite uncomfortable to be around. Like, I, I couldn't be, you know, stealing from somebody. I couldn't do that it's just I know it's wrong and his lack of control led to his tragic death because I'm presuming the stabbing must have been something to do with some kind of criminal activity or he was on heroin at at the time and I think somebody said he was actually living out of a car we obviously got called and said he he's been stabbed but he's okay he's okay like they checked him but what they hadn't realised is there was a literally like a pin prick had gone onto his heart, but they hadn't picked up on it. So from being told he'd been stabbed, and obviously he's okay, he's in hospital, so you're thinking he's going to be all right. To then getting a phone call to say that he's like gone, it was just like another shock, really. Mm. But I, I always knew he'd, he'd go young. I always knew it. But it's making you so sad now, just talking about him. Like, we went through what we went through together. We're very different people and we we reacted differently to it. But you do think, like, he would have understood. Yes, absolutely. And it's not here. 
even if he was here we might not have a relationship so it's it's difficult to that you don't want to hang on to what could have been but actually sometimes just knowing there's someone else out there who has kind of experienced something that you've experienced can be quite yeah quite helpful quite validating even if you're not really in contact with them you just know that they they know I would say you and your brother represent two sides of the same coin. If we say that coin is anxiety that comes from deep grief in childhood, trauma, uncertainty, feeling lost, all the things that you've described. And we know that anxiety can lead to what's called the fight or flight or freeze response. It sounds like you went for flight, hold it all in, control around that anxiety and your brother he didn't do that he did fight he expressed his anxiety through his out of control behavior so basically the two sides of the coin are either very much in control or very much out of control you're both responding to the same feeling you just are doing it very differently yeah that makes sense it's sad as well tell me about that you know he couldn't put it right and got taken away from him, didn't it? Yeah. Like you, he felt that life was kind of unpredictable and out of control at times. But unlike you, he expressed that through being unpredictable and out of control, whereas you went in the opposite direction, which was to be working to build a life that's predictable and in control. But I would say both of you were feeling the same it actually makes me feel closer to him yes because I always felt like I wasn't close to him like you say feeling the same thing just reacting differently to it and it's very hard isn't it to be compassionate to people who show their extreme vulnerability in antisocial ways that's why we've got a lot of very broken people in prison people who actually need a lot of compassion and understanding so we can help them understand how they got to that place, the mm. crimes that they committed, in order to try and heal something, perhaps. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, often, you know, I write a lot of columns and broadcasts and stuff, and when I sort of would say that, I'll often get accused of being very liberal and you're making excuses, but nothing happens for no reason, right? Yeah. Your brother was extremely vulnerable. He was just impossible to love, impossible to help because he was so out of control and what he did was so antisocial. What do we do with that? We run away from it. We don't want to look at it. And I'm not suggesting that you did, you should have done more. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I'm suggesting is he and you are closer than you think because you're both bonded by this vulnerability that has come from your shared experience in childhood. Mm. I don't think yeah. you've grieved for him, really. No, I haven't. I don't think I needed to. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. It was a relief because I didn't have to worry anymore. It was like I didn't have to worry about him. Does that make sense? Completely. Because for someone who needs things to feel in control, your brother was an absolute nightmare for you. I mean, he would be a nightmare anyway for anybody because obviously it's very challenging supporting someone who's a drug user and a criminal and, and all of those things. Um, but for you, he 
he was out of control and that is just too much. I mean, that's where you kind of spin out into that sense of not feeling grounded, not feeling. Yeah. So he was just massively, massively, massively triggering for you. Yeah. So when he yeah. wasn't around anymore, at least that stopped. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that before, but you're right, he was a trigger. I can see that now. I couldn't see that before. And is that helpful or where's that leaving you now, do you think? Yeah, it's helpful. I think it's making me understand myself a bit better. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you will instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Looking around now at my house, that definitely went up a level when my marriage broke down. And those feelings are unbearable for you, hence the cushions, the throw, everything just so, routines, get up, do this, do that. That's how you control it. So anything that feels out of control spins you out. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's just that feeling of what can I do to get back on my feet ground and I yourself it helped me I think it's you know bringing back memories as well because I'm thinking of times when like I say you don't feel grounded and it's just like it's it's like a panicky feeling like you can't catch your breath like and you don't know what to do and you're like looking around thinking but like how do I stop this who can help me and and I think that's why I try and say, like, I always try and sit down, put my feet on the floor, and I try and say to myself, like, you're, you're all right, you're all right, you're all right, and it's just keep saying it over and over until, like, I calm down. So you definitely try, you know I need to ground myself now. You don't allow the panic to take you into a panic attack or anything. I try not to. Yeah. I just feel like you just want someone to make everything all right. And you've hit the nail on the head. And so in that moment, it's really hard to know who to reach out to. And then the person you thought you'd found in your life who could do that for you and be there for you in those moments, he then left. I feel very like I don't want to depend on anybody anymore. Right, well, that is something that I would want to change because there is a lot of love in you to give and to receive, but I don't know if you've ever fully accessed that because your need to control means that you've become quite functional, possibly in relationships. Yeah. And maybe other aspects of relationships, the unpredictable, more spontaneous side of relationships, maybe intimacy, I don't know, but those sides of the relationship <laughs> might have been more difficult for you. Yeah, they have. Right, because it's, about, it's those moments where we do feel we, we've lost control. Intimacy for a lot of women 
can be very challenging if they are women who need to control things to feel safe. Because obviously when you're intimate, it does, you are properly vulnerable and and sort of out of control in a way. I don't know if yeah. that, does that make sense to you? I don't know yeah, if that's... Yeah, now you're saying it. I think that was one of the main issues in my marriage. That he had an affair because you were struggling with the spontaneous, yeah. intimate side of the relationship. Yeah, definitely. At yeah. some level, maybe you start to sort of feel a bit responsible for it as well, which is awful. I try not to take that on because I think... I didn't deserve what happened. I think what you said earlier to Claude was right. I think you said he didn't need to do it in that way. Yeah. You know. If you want to leave, then I can't stop you. Or yeah, have a married, conversation. But... Have a conversation. Say we need to see someone together because I'm struggling with our in, the intimate you side of our relationship. That. Well, yeah. So I did say, that's then I where I get that. it. Yeah, yeah. I, what you said, we need to see someone. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so yes, I, I completely understand why you just feel completely furious around that. Yeah. So, how do we do that then? What do you think the the next step is? I don't, honestly, I don't know. So what have you started a process of here with me and Claude today? Trying to talk about it. That terrifies you, though, to think about really talking about it, doesn't it? Yeah. You're proper nodding. Yeah. And why does it make you feel uneasy, the thought of sitting with somebody regularly to have chats like we've started today? I guess because it brings it all up. And what are you afraid will happen? Being vulnerable and hurting. and It's like most days you can put it in a box and you don't have to deal with it. What is your fear if you allow yourself to really process them and have support to sort of go through them? It's just like dropping that guard and and then who's going to catch me? So that's why people like me exist. Because we hold you. Something you've never experienced in your life properly. You've always just had to get on with it. I think in the second part, maybe, I think you know because you've listened to the podcast, I, I think it's really helpful when we take a break that people can have a moment to reflect and, and often writing something down is is a useful way of doing that. Um, I've got some ideas and I I'm not sure if you have any thoughts about what you could write as a letter to someone or would you feel able to do that? Yeah. Who would you write it to? Probably my younger self. Okay. let's talk about Lottie. That blew my mind. And also I felt privileged that we, I think she started a grieving process for her brother. And I think she did it with you just then. That was so moving yeah. for me. That I think is going to be very painful for her because I think she's never been able to see how vulnerable her brother was yeah. because it's the same vulnerability that she can't see in herself. Yeah. It, it's too frightening for her. So, you know, I didn't want to labour that point with her, but I, I, I felt it would be helpful for her to be able to think about him in a different way. Because there is, I mean, she's not grieved for her dad. No. She's not grieved for her mum. She's not grieved for her lost childhood. 
She's not grieved for her friend she lost when she moved schools. Yeah. She's not grieved for her brother. I mean, I mean, she's absolutely full of grief that she needs permission to express. And she's so terrified that if she expresses it, she'll lose control, like her brother lost control. And uh, that's just terrifying for her. Yeah. So she continues to glide. But I think the paddling now under the water is getting exhausting. I think as she's getting older, her kid's getting older, et cetera, I think she's now, it's an effort. And I, and I can see that in her. She looks tired. Yeah. She needs someone to do for her what you do for your kids and I do for mine, which in those moments where you can see they're confused and unhappy and anxious, you just put your arms around them and you just say, Mum's here. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Now do you want to talk about it? No one ever, ever did that for her. Heartbreaking. Totally heartbreaking. I'd like to ask you something else, which has come up, but in a different way. And in fact, our first ever episode, she mentioned Grounded to me. She mentioned it quite a few times with you. She controls her breathing. She sort of finds her feet on the floor. And when she goes off somewhere else, she has to bring herself back. What, what is that? Grounding techniques are talked about within the mindfulness right. literature. So mindfulness is a very important uh, way of learning to manage anxiety. Anxiety, both physically, but also mental anxiety, you know, racing thoughts and, and that sort of stuff. When we feel ourselves physically and mentally spinning out of control, literally, as the word says, how do we ground ourselves? How do we bring ourselves back down to earth? I don't think she's actually done any formal mindfulness training and I think it would be really good thing for her to try. So I will suggest that. But she talks about sitting down, feeling her feet on the ground. So just reminding herself where she is and then saying to herself, I'm going to be okay, I'm going to be okay and breathing. And what these grounding techniques do in the first instance is they help us bring down the physiological impact of anxiety, manage our breath, slow our heart rate down, you know, all the tingling that you can feel when you're anxious, settle that all down, feel the chair, feel where you're sitting, feel your feet on the floor. So you're just centering yourself back into the now, which is fundamentally shifting from the limbic emotional areas of the brain being very active anxiety. You're shifting focus back into your thoughtful, rational prefrontal cortex. And the first step is to ground yourself to shift the physiology down so you come out of the fight or flight response how extraordinary okay she's going to come back in how did you find our chat oh I found our chat really good yeah did you good big smile yeah. on your face you found it really good, even though we're talking about some of the most painful aspects of your life. That's interesting, isn't it? Tell me why you found it really good. I like that I feel that I'm going to be able to move forwards, get some help and try and find that, that piece that I said I, I wanted. So that feels achievable now. That feels yeah. clearer. Just knowing that I, you know, I might be able to come through this. Oh, you definitely will. You'll learn to live with it and not be afraid of the feelings. I think you're, it's just you're so afraid of how it makes you feel. You avoid yeah. the feelings by keeping busy. 
it's caught up with so much other stuff that you've never had the space or the time or even the permission to look at and to be heard. So that's where we got to this idea of this child that we all carry inside us, holding on to these historical experiences. And you were going to write a letter to that part of yourself. Why are you doing that face? I really struggled. Well, why wouldn't you struggle? It's the very first time you've ever done this. You must have felt something, feelings that you have been trying to avoid, so... I haven't got the answers still. So what am I telling her? You know when you're with your kids and they're upset about something? Mm. Do you straight away tell them what to do or do you sit with them and just comfort them and let them tell you whatever is bothering them or...? Yeah, no, you let them express themselves, don't you? So you help them feel heard? Yeah. That's exactly the place you're at. You're struggling because you want the solution. Yeah. And that's going to take time and that's going to be hard for you because you get things done yesterday. Yeah, that's That's the kind of person, yeah? Yeah. Do you feel able to read it? Yeah, I didn't finish it, but I can read you what I've wrote. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I know you're lost. You don't know where you're going and it's scary. And it's okay to be scared. You have lost the most important people in your world and it's okay to cry and tell people how you're feeling. Life does keep moving forward, but so will you. So talk to people, let them help you. And then I stopped because I didn't have, I just ran out of time. And like I said, I was really struggling with what to actually say. That's so powerful what you said. And you got tearful when you read it to me. Yeah. Let's just sit with that feeling just briefly. You won't break. Do you feel like there's a pain in my heart? It just hurts. And what hurt are you talking about here? You know, you're like 10 years old and you're just looking around thinking, like, what have I, what, what have I got? Like, your whole world's just gone. Everything you know. But it's a feeling that you do feel sometimes. Yeah. You're taking big breaths now. You're trying to control again, aren't you? Yeah. Don't be scared. You're doing so well. You absolutely deserve this space. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to feel hurt and pain. And I want to be happy for my my boys. Mm. When you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or unhappy, which I think you you are feeling at the moment unhappy sometimes, do you reach out to a friend and say, oh, I'm having such a crap time, I'm feeling... Yeah, when I feel desperate, yeah, when I'm desperate, I'll reach out and just say, like, I'm not coping, I just need to vent. But it's hard, none of them are single parents, none of them have lost parents, so it's, it's hard trying to find someone that is like, yeah, I get it. So that's where you feel lost and alone? Yeah. What can I do to help you feel able and strong enough to take the next step on this journey? I think I, just by talking to you, I feel stronger. I think it's, like I've always said, you've, you've not got that person to say... I think this is good for you. I think, so even having you say, like, I, yeah, I think you need to do this. I think this is right for you. 
that in itself is just making me think, like, yeah, you're right. It's got to come out. And do you believe me when I say you won't break? No. <laughs> sure. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. And so what I want to explain to you a bit is how people like me work and we can help you find that person. Mm-hmm. We understand how to support the person that we're supporting. So we look at the defences and you've got some very strong defences needing to feel in control, planning, strategy, imagining every worst case scenario, having a plan for that. So therefore we would make sure that we support a process where you can contact feelings but you it doesn't take you to a place where you start to feel terrified and out of control. So we would pace it. There have been times today when you have got very tearful and cried and you've listened to this podcast before haven't you and you know sometimes I will say to people let's carry on with the feeling and people will really cry and carry on crying when you listen back to this you might notice that when you have had those feelings we've acknowledged them but I've not really pushed hard on them yeah and the reason for that is because I recognise that that's not where you quite are yet. And I didn't want to put you in a position where you ended your discussion with me feeling shredded. Yeah. I wanted you to feel empowered. Yeah. And I think the empowerment has come from the understanding and from also the fact that you know you've contacted these feelings. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. And that's why you would, with our support, find someone who's very well-trained, fully qualified, a clinician as well as a psychological therapist because those are the skills that will enable you to feel properly looked after. Yeah. Because you will know, however hard it feels, that person will not let you break. Okay. You have done incredible work. How old are you now? 41. This is more than... 35 years you have just explored with me today. Yeah. I hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah. Why? I suppose being open to something I find difficult to talk about. Are you going to carry on with this journey and find someone to carry on this this work with you? Yeah, definitely. So today was a brave day. Yeah. I'm so so proud of you thank you thanks for having me are you all right darling yeah i'm okay i want to say this to you i love the fact you've got great friends there is one of them it might not be the obvious one there'll be one they don't have to have gone through what you've gone through who's going to be your person yeah I want you to choose one of them. And it might be not the one that's the biggest laugh or the organised one, but there'll be one of those. Don't sit with this all by yourself. I don't want you to have to deal with anything by yourself anymore. There'll be somebody in your gang. You go, "I've I've got to tell you something. Yeah. My childhood, terrible things happened. One after the other. And it's all come to a head and I'm feeling rubbish and I'm going to get a bit of help. And can I tell you about it? Don't do this alone. Okay. Because he was the one who made you feel safe and unfortunately that didn't work. Girlfriends make you feel safe. Yeah. They just do. 
Yeah, I agree. And they don't leave. <laughs> they don't leave. They don't make things up. They don't tell you they're going to the garage when actually they're seeing a girlfriend. Because, quite frankly, women don't have the time to be so deceitful, quite frankly. So you're going to choose one. And that is, for now, you can flirt, you'll find somebody else. You'll be like, thank goodness I'm not with that absolute muppet anymore. That's a way down the line. But right now, your life partner, because your boys are too little, and even though they're magnificent, yet you are a gang your life partner for now is going to be one of those girls because you do have great friends. It will be a privilege for them. Honestly. In the same way that it would be if they called you and went, yeah. I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm super brave and I'm just been, I've been getting on with it. And Professor Tanya Byron says that I'm a really excellent swan, but I'd now just like to make a small nest with another swan. We're going to get a takeaway. <laughs> And I need to tell you about what's happened to me in my life. Do you promise? Yeah, yeah I will. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to us. We're so grateful. Thank you. Number one, I mean, you do this for a living, right? You listen to these stories, but I just want to say on a personal note, because you've got her completely right. I couldn't word it, but she is together. I kept on saying, thinking, you're so capable, but she's been through so much. And I just want to say for any, I think people who are listening will agree that she's, she's extraordinary, mm. isn't she? Oh, absolutely. She's built a life, an amazing life for her and her children with the most difficult beginning for herself. The most difficult beginning. And no sense of poor me and no sense of wait till I tell you about this and nothing quite obviously sad, but quite matter of fact. The reason why I talked to her for a while at the beginning, because, you know, we have to make people aware. People get to talk to you once and, of course, will follow up. We know how they're doing. You can give them some brilliant resources and, they're looked after but this is one chat and it just seemed there was so much but the idea that you then you said but this is why him leaving has made you not just when it happens it's horrible but this is a different kind of level for you but it's interesting isn't it because I think she brought that because I remember her saying I'm pretty sure the way I feel now is a lot to do with my childhood oh yes right so she she already knew it she just hadn't quite worked it out So for me, it's about kind of seeing what people already know. You know, I'm not an expert, like I'm a mind reader. It's it's much more forensic than that, actually. You know, the clues are there. We are kind of like detectives in a way. I've always thought you were like a detective. (laughs) That you just, you know, but you're picking things up, which I would, a normal, a muggle like me wouldn't notice. And then you go, but that's why. But this is why. And I think it will really help her. You're brilliant. Thank you very much. Why are you thanking me? (laughs) I just find the whole thing fascinating. I'm so lucky. We're all so lucky that we get to hear the innards of your head. The innards of my head. And your expertise, yes. Yes. I can't wait for Lottie to come back one day. That's what I hope. You want to be this one next to her? Yes, I do. Well, she can't have you because you're my swan, so sorry, don't share. Enough said. See you next week. Bye, babe. 
Just so you know, we always follow up with our guests providing useful contacts and information, some of which you will find in the program notes of this episode. Please do share this podcast. You can send links direct from the app if you like. You can also follow to get new episodes as soon as they come out. Also, we would love to know what you think. Do rate, comment and give us a five-star review. It all helps us to make more. And finally, if you're interested in taking part in future episodes of How Did We Get Here, please email describing your issue to how at somethingelse.com. That's how, H-O-W, at somethingelse.com. Something without the G. Next time we meet Heather. I just never wanted to feel like that. (laughs) Really describe what you mean by that. Abandoned, I think. (laughs) Abandoned. This podcast was made by the team at Something Else. The sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. The assistant producer is Grace Laker. The producer is Selena Reen. And the executive producers are Claire Solon and Chris Skinner, with additional production from Steve Ackerman. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>